Hello, good morning, and thank you for joining us. If you can't tell, just so you know, this I am live now, and we'd love to hear from you at 580-5436-580-KIDO or on our internet called email, Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. So live now, Kevin and uh, I from this past week will be towards the end of the program. And no, it's not golf. It's not golf. It's uh, grandkid soccer. So there you go. Um, all you grandparents know that is super exciting and fun, and uh, we don't want to miss it. So there you go. Uh, so, I, you know, I also I have spent the past week at the Schwab conference. And, of course, we were with TD Ameritrade slash Schwab. Um, they bought them out. And so this was really important to go, transition, and it's important to go anyway. Why? It, it, it's important because it gives you a chance to get away and think. Think about your business. Think about what you're going to do for your clients going forward, seeing things that are being, you know, if you will, in our industry are changing. And boy, are they changing fast. It's not just fast because, you know, TD was bought out by Schwab. It's fast because technology is amazing, and it's changing everything at light speed. Our industry is changing from you know little one-person shops to giant mega firms, where it used to just be a few giant mega firms, whether it was a, um, a, a big firm like Merrill Lynch or what have you. And of course, that's divided up now where most of the assets are now are with independent financial advisors that work with a fiduciary you know, relationship with their clients, not selling stocks, not pitching the latest municipal bond deal. It's a different world and it changes fast and it's important for us to take time to listen and think about it. But I always come away because of the time away, I think is, more than anything, I come away with thinking more about things broadly, generally, thinking about the markets differently, thinking about, if you will, how you would want to structure a portfolio now versus what you wanted to do 10 or 20 years ago. And I always come back to looking at the ground conditions. What are we in now? What were we in yesterday? I don't have to predict the future. It's right here now. Yesterday's future is today. And so we don't have to sit around and pretend. Now, of course, this conference, <clears throat> which literally, you know, north of trillions of you know, it's trillions of dollars represented in that room collectively. It's a ludicrous amount of money. There's thousands and thousands of large advisory firms there. Well, some are small, but very few. And you, it's just hard to fathom because every single industry representative has paid big bucks to be there to talk to us and to attempt to say, hey, you know, find a wedge into a firm that manages a lot of money. And so that would be good, positive for them and their products. 
And it's not even possible with so many of them there. It's, it's not possible if you got there early and spent your entire time just visiting booth to booth. It's that big. And it is something you walk away from. And, and, and in fact, CNBC covers it. And other financial networks do too, Bloomberg, all that stuff. They're all there. They're all there live. And I listen to this and I listen to the, I call it babble, because it is. What do you think about the market? What do you think about interest rates? What do you think is going to happen with inflation? Is the labor market ever going to slow down? Predictions. Predict, 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 predict. And factually, Wall Street is wrong more than they're right. And as I like to say, blind monkeys throwing darts are right half the time. So they're smarter, apparently, than Wall Street collectively. And, and it really, it's not just to make fun, because it sounds like, you know, you can be kind of making fun or being snarky about it. And, and I really not, I, I'm really not. I'm really not here to just insult people. It's not, it's just, I think it's a most amazing, important point. If Warren Buffett says, I don't have a market prediction, I've never had a market prediction, I never will. You know what, that's pretty darn good and I'm just fine with that. So I don't need to continue to think about what I think about the future, what I'm predicting about the market. In fact, I try not to because I have my own predictions. Everybody does. It's like, well, the market looks terrible right now. Of course it looks terrible because guess what? It's 10% off of its high. Is that a time people go, wow, this is awesome. It looks great. No, it's always a, a post look at things. Where are we right now? Where have we been? Oh, let's draw the line to where we're going in the future. It must be terrible because right now it's terrible. Okay. Until it's not, and then we get a chance to buy a stock to even higher price. This is what we do. It's what the babble is. And it's hard to get away. So when you're away, you think about these things even more. Or even even more maybe perhaps because you hear it. You hear it. Some. You know, you can go to room to room to room to hear people talking about their options trading strategy or their prediction about the market. Their prediction about interest rates. Constant talk about predicting the future. And it doesn't stop even when people point out, but it doesn't work. People don't know what the future is. And incredibly successful investors say like Warren Buffett, Michael Price, Peter Lynch, John Templeton, all the others say the same thing, have said the same thing. I don't know. We don't try to time the market, but I do. Here in Boise, Idaho, I will simply read the headlines to you and act like that's a prediction of the future and how smart I am, how insightful I am. And it's not true. And I think pulling away and going through this and listening and thinking, we get in a better position to not try to predict the markets, to pull away for a moment. Well, how do you invest if you... Don't predict the markets and interest rates. I mean, how, how do you do that then? What, what are you talking about? You have to be thinking about what the markets are going to do in order to invest. And the answer actually is no, you don't. 
So let me just kind of real quick review. I know I've talked about this a lot, just quick, super quick, okay? Here's where we were just a couple years ago. The market is doing fine. It's doing great, as a matter of fact. And we're told that in, inflation is transient, meaning temporary. Big word for temporary, so it makes the politician sound super smart. And so they were told that. And the Federal Reserve isn't worried at all. And we're told all about modern monetary theory, which means just print money, give it to me, so I can pick the winners. You know, like my political donor class, pay off some student loans over here for people that, you know, our baristas at Starbucks and went for six years to school. That's not all of them. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying this whole idea that you just pile up debts and then somebody like the government, me, you, everybody else ought to come along and pay it off is kind of irritating. Makes the rest of us who paid for our kids and are putting money away for our grandkids' education look really stupid. It is a frustrating thing. And that's where we were. Don't worry about it. You can print, 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 print. And they did. Trillions of dollars. And it turned out, weirdly, I don't know, uh, you know, even politics gets in the way of logic, really. I, no kidding. It really does. And we have inflation. And then they admit that it's not transient. And we move forward. And then the Federal Reserve tells us there are going to be three rate increases over the next 12 months. It's now 2022. And instead of three equivalent quarter of a point rates, rate increase, we have 18 of them. Off by a magnitude of sheer incompetence, unbelievable, and nobody asks the question. It's just what it is. We have bank failures caused by lack of oversight. Well, I mean, they are in San Francisco. What the heck? Who's oversighting? The Federal Reserve. Uh, don't worry, they cleaned house. Oh, no, they didn't. Nobody lost a job. So we have all these bank failures and, and all these things going on. Inflation now. And so after this 20%, and in tech stocks, you can't buy them. You cannot touch them because they don't operate well in a high interest rate environment. They tell us heading into 23. So don't touch them. I know they're down 35, 45, 55%. Don't touch them. And of course they take off and by mid-year, the Wall Street bears capitulate, meaning they change their mind, they're wrong, they admit it, fall on their sword and say it's time to buy stocks. 10% ago. That's what market timing is. That's what predictions are. Not just recent, it's always. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of trying to change directions from putting my head in the desk because nothing is going to go right in the world until fill in the blank to, oh, market rallied this afternoon. <laughs> so happy. I'm so, so, so happy. It's a bullish market. I'm always bullish. <laughs> I thought you were terribly bearish this morning. 
it goes all the time as this is giving people some kind of data information. It's not. And so we, this is what leaves us as we go to conferences and stop and think, and why is CNBC here? Because people are, it's just a place to be when you're gathering with advisors and stuff. So the industry gathers, makes their predictions, some do, and many don't. And that's what doesn't make the news, is the planning, the, the, the thoughtful, what's really going on out there and why you don't have to predict. If interest rates are higher now, and I'll talk about this as we go through today, as I have been, why is the 60-40 a problem? It's not. It's now finally workable. It was a problem. But do you know how entrenched so many people, so many firms are? Is that it's difficult to have a discussion about the fact that the 60-40, and I'm not saying it's precise. Nobody's precisely 60-40. What I'm saying is this is the 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio that has been recommended for decades. 50, 60, 70 years. That's the one that works. That's the one that you take your 4% cost of living income all the days of your life and never run out and just rebalance and it's piece of cake. That's the one that everybody was telling you that at 1%, 2% 10 year treasuries, it would work. When if you simply did third grade math, you would know it can't work. But we still teach it. And now the same people who were telling us it would work three years ago at zero interest rates are telling us it's broken. It finally has a chance to operate. We have to use our own brains and we can't be locked into whatever it is our belief system is, our financial belief system is, we can't be locked in. And that's what I mean about not managing money and making a prediction of the future. You don't have to know it. You just have to look at the ground conditions and ask yourself, if, if, if the great companies, the great tech companies are down 35 to 60%, don't I wanna own them? Not in hindsight, because that was available 12 months ago. It was available 12 months ago, it's not available today. And the very people that told you couldn't buy them, sounding really smart about interest rates and how they're correlated to high PE ratio stocks and blah, 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 right? If you follow what I said, good for you. But if you didn't, it don't, don't matter because it's just blah, blah, blah. Same people. And this is what we listen to to get our information about what we ought to do. And it does affect our brains. It totally does. It totally does. And we think they're making predictions. They think we're helping. We think we get more data. And it doesn't matter if it's stock market data. It's doomsday data. It's why gold, it really will work this time. I know it hasn't your whole life. I know it didn't your dad's life or your grandparents' life. I know, I know, I know it doesn't work because it doesn't have a return. But this time, for sure. And let me give you a whole bunch of data so you can know why. It's the only real asset. Nothing else is real. Everything else is fake. Everything you look at is fake. You live in a fake gold world, all gold. 
And here's some more data why. You see, it happens in every single area. The same thing. So you receive more data about what you already already believe in. Therefore, the beauty of it is you're dumber than ever. Isn't that great? And so we wind up in a circumstance that is just absolutely crazy, where people who are getting the same constant inputs think they're doing great stuff and are super smart. That is one of the reasons I love coming to these conferences, to bury you away, because there are no distractions. There really aren't. Nobody's allowed at the conference. Nobody's allowed at the after parties or the evening events. Nobody who isn't part of the conference. It's an interesting, it's different, but it is. Uh, it does keep people from, if you will, it keeps us all rooted in what you're there for, which is to think and find some new solutions to problems that you're trying to resolve in your own respective places. And prediction is not one of them, certainly not for me. Trying to find out what the market's doing is really a, a, a failed pursuit. It really is. All right, we'd love to hear from you at 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. You know, it's uh, it's it's gosh, it's a, a a wonderful industry. It just is amazing, and and how it's changed over the years. I've got an email. Uh, I, I'm going to get on here in a second because it really, to me, it kind of helps <clears throat> define for me the thought process of um, trying to get out of my own head, trying to accept that things do change and. There is this tension between, you know, flying around where you don't have any kind of, uh, I don't want to say not, not a compass, but I mean some kind of a, a, a systematic approach. Like, this is what we do. Sometimes it's out of favor, but that's okay. And it is okay to a, if you will, a Jim Cramer, like, oh, I'm bearish in the morning. Oh, my gosh, the market's up in the afternoon, so now I'm super happy, where you're just like the king of what's happening right this millisecond. It's, like, absurd. It's That's not... That's absurd. And you kind of have that, you, you try to find that tension that says, I understand the world's changing and I understand things like less than 10% of the stocks account for all of the market returns. Okay, so let me, let me rephrase that because it, it really is this big a deal. 90% of the companies produce less than cash. Some, of course, go to zero. 90% of the actual number of stocks out there, more than 90%, do not beat cash. You mean I got to go find 10%? No. You get to own 10% because you also own the 90. Sorry. If you own the S&P, that's what the S&P is. And I think there's things like this that you kind of come to understand over time that you're not trying to pick stocks. You're trying to sometimes stay away from the losers, and you're trying to hang on to the winners because they account for everything. Okay? It, it, again, putting it in another way, Warren Buffett, okay? Unbelievable statement. I mean, it just blew my mind. 
10 investment decisions. He actually said 12, but two of them were personnel. 10 investment decisions accounted for all of his outperformance. Everything else was mediocre at best. The greatest investor, not even arguable, because it's not even close, outperformed the market by such vast amounts. Over a 70-year period, 70 years, has 10 investment decisions that worked? Wow. Wow. So I don't need to have a lot of apples in my portfolio. I don't need a lot of Google, but I need them. I need them. They account for the, the returns. And so we think about this, and we think about me coming into the industry and going, okay, so I see the chart with all the colors on it. So we got small cap, we got large, we got mid cap, we got all these things, growth, value, real estate, all these other things, different sectors. And we know that everything rotates. But does it? Or as the world turns and changes over time, do some sectors fall completely and irrevocably out of favor? So the question is, Joe, uh, just sent an email, and by the way, that's Dave at PetzalFinancial.net, um, asking if small caps are undervalued because they sure look like they are, and the answer is yes, they are incredibly undervalued. A few of them are. Most of them aren't because they're just little dinky companies that aren't going to be around, just like the big companies in the S&P. Just like them. But here's the way I think of it, and I think about all of them, and what I'm really trying to say is that we all sometimes have to pull away and ask ourselves these questions. If we're putting a portfolio to, together today, does it look different than it did 10 years ago, 20, three years ago? Certainly, do things change over 30 or 40-year periods? It's been my experience they do. And it's also been my experience that people, human beings, are locked into what they do and what they believe doesn't change much. I'm not talking about a core belief in God. I hope that doesn't change a lot. Or a core belief in human kindness overall. Does that change? Do we get more cynical? Sure. But generally at the core? But when it comes to investing or doing business of any kind, don't we have to change? Don't we have to, in a, in a rapidly changing world and getting faster at change? Rethink things, use things like exchange-traded funds, stop using annuities and go to buffered products if we're nervous. Buffered meaning the downside isn't there anymore. You mean you, you get your money back? Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. There it is. There it is. You want some income from it? Sure, we'll design it that way. Honestly, heard, heard about one literally was two days ago. Yes, it was. Two days ago, I'm at the conference, and I get a phone call from one of our vendors because he's at our office in Boise, and he said, I, I have to talk today. And so they, I said, look, I've got 10 minutes more in this, this one meeting, and then I can, I can uh, um, talk. And so we get on FaceTime, and I hear about it, okay? And it's not for all investors, not yet. Have to have some net worth. But there's like a 1% income per month regularly generated. It's a structured product. They call them structured notes, sort of. 
But with option writing strategies, blah, 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 there is no downside. Literally, market goes away, you get your money back. Doesn't last forever, three years. And you get half the upside of the market. But you get current income. So I'm like, this might fit for people. What should you do? You should own the market. Not this, but in some circumstances for an income, and it's, it's hey, do you want 12% a year? Yeah, me too. No downside? Yep. Okay. I get it. There's stuff. So 20 years ago, I tell this story all the time. We were doing fixed annuities because they were getting 8%. And people are like, bam. Then when interest rates started to fall, we stopped doing it. So somewhere in there is a closet that's all dusty and dirty, and it's called the fixed annuity closet. We haven't opened it up. And now, though, the world is different. There's different solutions for guarantees. Higher interest, not tying people up as long or ever. They even have exchange-traded funds now. Everything changes. And so what we have to do is think about that in, in, the, in the investment sense. So, Joe, I'm getting back to your question. I really am. You got my brain going. Here's what I think. I think there are select small companies. But you know what they are? They're in technology. They're not in gravel. They're in tech. And if I'm trying to think about this, that there are not all kinds of winners out there. There's less than 10% of the companies are winners. Small, mid, large, doesn't matter. That, yes, I think I have to have a position there. And I have to find a manager that's really smart because I just don't want to buy the Russell 2000. I just don't want to do that. And, and looking at it as undervalued, I have to say, if the market is the world, the economy, the, the great corporations are controlled by Apple, Google, Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, et cetera, and a few others that are right there nipping at their heels and might get bought out, but they can't really buy them out because then that would be antitrust stuff, but then they can merge together. And we got telecommunications in, in, in doctors now, like Teladoc, and I'm not selling Teladoc, I'm just saying these are the kinds of things that are coming. But who wins? We don't know. I don't know. But I want to invest in those, those mid-sized companies, that I, but I don't know which ones are going to win. So what I do in that sector mostly is I think about it this way. I want robotics. And they've got a ton of ETFs in those spaces. Okay? I want to own robotics, cybersecurity, the Internet of Things. Things that are just growing like crazy, but who knows who's going to win? I just want the whole basket because I know some of them are. What about 3D printing? Could be. I don't know. I keep hearing about it, but it's not doing anything yet, but it will. I mean, if you could make like or organs, human organs with a printer, I think this has a future. So I, I, I look at these things and I say, let's put a little here, a little there, a little there. More than I want to do a small cap value where – I, I've got somebody that pays a little 2% dividend over here, and they run gravel. Okay. I, I just don't picture that that's where I want to be. You know, and so I kind of also almost think of this in reverse. What do I not want to own? I don't want to own any airlines. I don't even have to look at it. Think about it. Oh, there's lots of air travelers. That's good. Prices are going up. Great. Good for them. Does it work over a long period of time? No, it hasn't. And everything's wrong with it. Costs are high. Fuel prices are high. Everything's high. And everything's hard. And their labor and auto manufacturers. Do we want to own them? No, I don't. Never have. Never have. Well, they're really cheap. 
And I love, there's a guy named Josh Brown. I heard this clip. I didn't see it. I heard about this clip he was on, and he's a pretty plain smoking. He's kind of spoken. He's a kind of a, a technician guy. But he, he, one guy came on and said, well, we, were, we kind of like, you know, it was Ford or General Motors right now. And he just goes, have you seen their chart for the last 40 years? Why would you own anything like that? I'm like, you're right. If we're trying to find less than 10% of the companies by chance, then do I really want to own everything that's really not done well for like 40 years? No, I can exclude them. And so I think of that too. And I think we have to rethink our asset allocation of small cap, large, undervalue, overvalue. International stocks heard it for years, right? Got to buy Europe, great values, blah, blah, blah. Okay, do we own no Europe? No, that's of course absurd. I don't, but we're like almost not, right? Like why? It's been undervalued forever because it's a giant outdoor museum. That's all it is. There's no innovation, creation going, going on there. Pretty place, cool people, I'm sure. And, and all that stuff, fun, 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 fun. I want to own the innovators. Don't you? So that's why I think about that, Joe. And you really got me going, so I appreciate the email. And I got to take a quick break here for Fox News. It's Dave at PetzalFinancial.net or ring us up, 580-KIDO. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. If you tuned in for uh, me and Kevin Miller, that will be in the uh, second hour, okay? So uh, grandkid soccer games today. So there you have it. As we all know, there are priorities, and um, I'm sorry the grandkids won. If, uh, if, I, if, I, if I did not manage your time expectation correctly. Now, um, I, I, on, a, on a similar line to our last email, um, uh, MJ is, 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 is basically talking about using dividends that come in, okay? So coming in, dividends that come into the portfolio, and instead of just reinvesting those dividends right back into the companies they're in, um, piling them up and having targeted reinvestment, like what's working right now. And so back to uh, return of the mean and all those other things, which, you know, it, 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 there's nothing terribly, horribly wrong. It's certainly the way in my mind that I, I, I in, invested for, you know, value investing, John Templeton, all those things. Um, Peter Lynch, Michael Price, all those that that you just kind of reinvest in those areas, and and and, and you plan that there's going to be a reversion to the mean. So if you're if if for example small cap allocation falls uh, a, a bit relative to other things, you buy more of it. So you buy low, sell high, you trim the things that win. Nothing terribly wrong with that. Certainly was great. My point with it is to think about our allocation instead of a fixed amount. Like, why would I want 40% bonds when interest rates are zero? I don't. So I didn't own bonds. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at the uh, – that's not predicting interest rates. Nothing I said there predicts interest rates. It simply says, if my return of, on a bond, which it is, I don't care what you are you're talking about over the next six months or a year or whatever, that's fine. But if you buy a 10-year treasury and it's yielding you 5%, it's going to yield you 5% over the next 10 years, period. That's just end of story. That's it. Not, oh, well, well, the bond market's getting killed. It is if you're going to sell that bond before the next 10 years. Otherwise, it's completely irrelevant price movement. It's nothing to do with anything. So if I know on my bond I'm going to get 2%, I know that won't work if I want to take out 4 And I want a cost of living adjusted increase that won't happen with a bond. It's just I, I already know that. So why would I own that? Why do I own stuff that won't work to what my targeted – allocation is to my targeted goal. I want 
5% income, cost of living adjusted, all the days of my life that I can't outlive, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy 40% of my portfolio in 2% bonds. Who does this? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what we were told to do. And by God, that's therefore I'm not changing my mind. And this is the kind of thing that drives me absolutely crazy. Crazy. And it's really weird to me because I'm talking to people who are like, you know, college, I have a master's degree in finance. And it's like, wow, and I've got 30 years with this company and all we ever do is the same thing. Okay. Man, live. I'm the senior vice president of doing the same thing. Cool. That's awesome. And we, and we create this world where, 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 where all we do is have the same input. So what I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with the basic premise of that. But what we want to do now, and I like the idea of not just routinely reinvesting in the same stuff. Okay? But as we're thinking about it, and you get the point, we don't, don't want to just think about it as reverting to the mean as if small cap stocks have done in the last 30 years anything like they did 50 years ago. The world is dominated by giant corporations. And guess what kind? Tech. So do I want value or do I want growth? I kind of, kind of want growth because value hasn't been, and I don't mean recently, I mean like forever, isn't working over long periods of time. But I need dividends. Fine. So you mix your portfolio. I'll get it. But revert to the mean, to me, does mean that my expectation is that it's going to be what it was in the past. And I, I think the world's changed. But I also know as we look at ground conditions, now that interest rates are higher, I can own bonds. That's the way I think of it. I can. doesn't mean it's appropriate to a growth portfolio. It doesn't mean that you won't have short-term losses as reflected by prices, but what it means is that if you have a 5% 10-year treasury, it's gonna earn five. It's not gonna earn two. It's possible to be in a portfolio now when it wasn't. And these are, these are the things that I think we want to think about as we're building out portfolios and not being stuck that everything's the same when it's clearly not. I think we have to force ourselves to think it's easy to say the same thing for 40 years. It's harder to kick the brain in and say, that isn't really working, or that doesn't seem logical now. I don't think that can work going forward because here's what we're dealing with. It doesn't mean we throw out all the past. It means we have to think about it. So here's what I would say with that. I love the strategy. And your question is, what areas are undervalued? I believe utilities and REITs are very undervalued. And I believe they have a future. So I don't worry about owning them. I just want to own everything because we all heard the, the, the saying, value trap. There are value traps. Do I want to own office buildings? I don't. I don't need to catch the bottom. I'm okay with that. But if it's office buildings in Washington, D.C., and yes, I'm talking about a specific company, but I'm not going to name the name. In Washington, D.C., that are defense contractors, that fly drones all around the world out of those buildings, do I think that looks anything like a San Francisco office building? No. No, it doesn't sound anything like that. It sounds like opportunity when they're down because the sector is down. 
That sounds like opportunity. So find those things because you said you were looking for targeted. Okay. All right. Thanks for the that. And our email is Dave at petsofinancial.net. Got to take our final break this hour. 580-KIDO. Hello, welcome, and uh, thank you again for joining us. Hey, comments, questions, petsofinancial.com. Uh, podcasts there. If you uh, prefer uh, you know, or miss something you want to catch, um, they're, they're right there. They're at the Apple Store, Google, all that stuff. And um, also, don't miss our YouTube. I, I, I often forget to talk about that, but we do our Zoom meetings, and then we post them back there. So for those of you who are visual, there's a lot of charts and things through there um, that um, we help explain some of the, uh, if you will, some of the strategy or whatever, our learning. We don't strategize. I mean, it's just the things that we're thinking about and reminding ourselves about what markets do over long periods of time, not this second. And I'm going to close this hour. I've got, uh, an, uh, you know, we've got some time next hour that I will talk before before Kevin Miller and I. Um, have our replay of our discussion this past week. It, um, but I want to take a couple more minutes here to talk just a little bit about this conference. And and I, I, who knows what happens in the next next hour? I may talk some more about it. But it is interesting to me when you um, h- how different my brain works when I'm away. I'm not thinking about anything else. There's a, there's the just it's there's not i mean you are we all are that's a ridiculous statement sorry what i'm trying to say is i'm not busy with other things we all are busy with things but what i mean is you're just not saving time you're not going in the meetings you're going to the meetings that are focusing on what you're going to be doing in the future for you and your clients it's focusing on learning something thinking and listening for a concept not oh, i'll read this article later because right now i'm in the middle of a meeting and and then you know you forget or you you know you just don't give the article any real thought you just get through it this is time and 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 it really is encouraging because it it gets us away all of us away for a few minutes and helps us to think clear our head about not just where our own personal businesses are going our own personal feelings about investing and what the right allocation is today but it helps to understand also what our clients are feeling when the markets go down 10%. We kind of just, you have time to be thinking about that. Markets go down 10%. They do it all the time. They just did. Everything was great until June or whatever, July, till actually till, till Wall Street capitulated. And, and then we, <laughs> they, they, of course, they just, they, they pick it. They know how to pick the, uh, dead um the dead tops and bottoms um it's amazing and you know i i know it sounds made up but wall street's wrong 51 percent of the time that's a demonstrated fact i i know it sounds made up like it's slightly less than half the time but it actually is except for interest rates they can't ever seem to get interest rates right that's weird to me because that's like one thing the market's so many things and and we act like the market should be gamed and played and we live in this instantaneous world. We don't. But the but the but the venture that is there in my mind, I come away from these thinking all the time. The 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 adventure in all this is to find Apple, Google, etc. It it's to find areas where the world is moving. 
we haven't identified the winners yet. But we know there's enormous future there. Is AI real? It's frighteningly real. Our company's going to make untold zillions of dollars from it? Yes. In ways we don't know yet, but some ways we do. And we want to own those. Just get in front of where we're going. You don't have to figure out the whole world. You don't have to figure out the whole market at all. This is the easiest, hardest game that there is. Psychologically, we're a basket case with this stuff. We are. And the sooner we admit it, the better we are. The sooner we admit, you, all of us, I'm, I'm really good at this. And I, had ha- I, I got way better at it when I understood that I don't know the future. When I had the humility to understand that most of my decisions were not the greatest decisions. That you're wrong most of the time. You just have to have the fortitude to own the great corporations and move past the ones that are mediocre at best. You got to own the fact that you buy the Beyond Meats and other silly things like that. You got to own it. And know what your real results are. And find the less than 10% of the great companies that there are. That's what we got to do. We don't need to figure out what the future is. We'll be back for hour number two. Hello, welcome, and again, thank you for joining us. Super fun week. Ah, it's work. Goodness gracious, it's been bizarre. You know, East Coast, West Coast for grandkids. It's, I mean, it's. I don't know what time zone I'm on. This is strange for me. I don't travel as much usually, but a busy fall, and um, it, it is a. It, but it is for me fun to be engaging, fun to be thinking about markets. It, it just keeps my brain tickling, right? And so it is fun. It's a lot of fun. And I think about everything from, you know, not what the market's doing. But then when I say that, too, we all have a tendency to do that. But to, 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 to understand that you don't need to know what the future is that we can actually react to what is going on and understand and have the humility to know that a lot of things we do, most of the things we do really aren't the best things to do because things change. It doesn't make you wrong. It makes it impossibly, it makes it impossible to be right all the time. And this is why we talk about diversification. This is why we talk about Letting your winners run, firing off and taking your losses when things aren't working, and get over yourself. Nobody does. Once again, if Warren Buffett has 10 investment decisions in a 70-year career that account for all of their gains, his own words, not mine, not my math, his. I I just, I I think to have the expectation that somehow you are going to do better is, well, good luck. Good luck with that. So I think about this and I think about also the fact that you have, we have so much stuff that's available for the average investor that never was. And I'm not talking about options and in, 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 in trading new things and you've got technology to trade through 
different, you know, head and shoulders things or whatever. That's just constant babble. I'm talking about the fact that if you think robotics is the future, how about you buy an ETF that represents robotics? Or do you think you're going to figure out what company is going to win? You like 3D printing? They've got an ETF for you. What does it cost? Not much. What are my costs for trading? Come on. You got to tell me that. Zero. Yeah, well, I'll probably have to tie up my money for a long period of time. Yeah, for a second. Because it'll take you that long to put the sell order back in. Free trading. Free. And it's easier to trade. You get better execution the smaller your trades are. So for those that are like, yeah, it's a rig game and then big money. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's the exact opposite. It's harder to trade when you're big. It is. Opposite. Opposite. The ease of investing for the little guy is unbelievable. And, 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 and the lack of cost in so many new products. Right? So people that want to have, um, let's say, they're afraid of the market. I don't want to lose but I think I have to invest in the market, okay? But I, I, I want some downside protection. Well, how much do you want? A little, a lot, all. Each has a price. And the price of participation, that is how much upside are you willing to give up? Do you want dividends or not? All of those choices are yours. Wait for it. For no cost. This is an amazing time for people. Well, how about I get a little bit of participation? I want a lot of income. You can have that. You know what that costs? 0.18%. And by the way, it trades so much that it, you don't even have to pay a penny on a $50 per share between the bid and ask. Okay, I know. A lot of you didn't understand what I said. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying it's free. It's free. 0.18. Virtually free ownership. It's unbelievable. And, and why people would tie up money for forever and ever is just beyond me. You can leave that tomorrow and move on to something else. Once again, for less than one penny per share on $50. Oh, and you get to keep the income in between. It's, it's unbelievable what we have available now. It's kind of overwhelming, if you will. But we can and should be moving away from the high commission, tie things up forever, or the attitude that the world's going to end, I need to buy gold, which doesn't trade. You can't buy anything with it that I know of. You can go down to a gold dealer and pay a price there. Pay a price to buy it. Pay a price to sell it. Lug it around. Check over your shoulder because it's pretty It's pretty hard to trace if it's stolen. So be very careful with it. But you can't go to Albertsons and buy a loaf of bread. 
you have to then turn it back into that fiat currency they're telling you is going to zero that's worthless and really truly worthless in some way, shape, or form. And it really only matters after inflation because that's what it matters. But it's like, well, okay. But if the price of gold isn't even keeping up with inflation, and it has not for the last 40 years, it has not kept up with inflation. Not even close. For 40 years. Oh, well, it did from, you know, 73 to 75. Okay, groovy, groovy, groovy. So did copper, I think. And zinc really took off in the 70s, I think. Because, you see, they're just different commodities. That's all they are. I'm not trying to make fun. I'm trying to say we have to be careful of what is available out there and what you're being sold into very illiquid things when we have so many options today. Not me, we at Petso Financial. Everybody does. Yes, it's complicated. Yes, it's a little overwhelming because there are so many choices. But the fact that there are means you don't have to go to a dinner seminar and be pitched an equity indexed annuity. You don't have to be afraid of your shadow because you're being pitched a story about the end of the world. If you are worried about the downside, and who isn't, then buy a little protection in an exchange-traded fund. So if you're not worried anymore, you learn about the markets, you feel more comfortable, you can sell it and go on and not have paid a huge commission to anybody, any commission to anybody. It's available every day. And I think about this all the time. I'm walking around and I'm looking at all these new things, not just for me to run my business in a better way, but these new things called exchange-traded funds, called buffered notes. I get phone calls from people that do billions of dollars that say, this you have to look at. This is stunning. This is what we've been waiting for. The technology wouldn't list. This is what I was teasing to you for two years. It's true, true story. It happened to me two days ago. This is what I couldn't really tell you about, but I told you there was something coming, and it is remarkable. It is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, my point is, is that so many things are changing in amazing ways that we don't have to be stuck and shouldn't be stuck. And as advisors, we can't get stuck. The world is changing so fast. The technology is amazing, and the opportunities for the small investor are unbelievable. I wouldn't have thought in my lifetime I'd see things like this. Really, available to the average person. I mean, literally, you could buy one share of a buffer note. I'm really worried about you know the market going down 20%. Okay. But you want to invest in the market? Yeah, I do. But I'm worried about it. Okay. Why don't we cover the first 30% down? Yeah, that'd be fine. Market's never gone down over a long period of time any more than that. Gosh, no. Okay. If the market's already down 10%, what are the chances it's going to go down another 30? Very, very, very slim. But it doesn't feel that way. Not when you're in it. But that's what I'm saying is so available. One share of that. Oh, I want to put $50 in that. Okay, <laughs> put $50 in it. Okay, that's great. I want to put $300 in it. You can do that? Yeah. Well, I've only got like a couple thousand in a Roth IRA. Fine. Been there. It's free. 
You change your mind, you can get it out tomorrow. Well, how much does it cost? I already told you, it's just an annual fee for how long you keep it. Just a management fee. You see, all of this is available. We have to be always thinking and changing. And that's what gets me when I go to these places, right? And I think about it. I think about people talking about the 60-40 debt or the 60-40 is the only way to go. I'm like, no, 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 no. If interest rates aren't going to be high enough, and they weren't for over 10 years, 15 years, really, and, and, and they weren't, it wouldn't work. Then let's not do that. If something won't work, don't do it. If something has high commission to it, don't do it. Are there alternatives? Yes, but I'm really scared. Of course, I understand. There's stuff out there now, and you can change your mind. That's awesome. That's choice. That's freedom of investment. Freedom from fear. Wow. Wow. And you can change your mind. Now, how crazy good is that? You know, the biggest thing that advisors do is bring peace of mind. Take that weight of worry off of people's back. That's, that's it. They, we don't know what the future is any more than anybody else. Really, don't. Don't know where interest rates are going. Don't. Do not. Don't know what the best stocks are going to be. Don't. Do not. But to have that peace of mind that you don't have to make all the decisions. You don't have the burden to figure out, I don't know if I should invest. I don't know if I should buy a bond. I don't know. I've been reading this and they're really worried about that. Should I go to some gold, some other commodities, something like that? What should I do? And the answer is, quit worrying about it. It's not leading you closer to the truth. It leads you further away, further away. That's the magic of it. And when you can do it, and even if you're doing it on your own and trying to discover some of these new products and things, it's exciting. So if you're really worried, instead of sitting on cash, but you want to invest and you just, well, I can't pull the trigger, you've got so many options available to do that. Or some options to pull income higher than we got forever and ever and ever at extremely low risk. So you look at those things and you say, wow, this is a world. Yes, it's more complicated. It's not just stocks or bonds or municipal bonds. It's more complicated. But it is not complicated beyond understanding. And its ease of operation and cost of operation is so good for the average person. We're pulling away from packaged products. Packaged products meaning, you know, like equity indexed annuities or talking about things that have high commissions to them. It just, we're moving away into a liquid world where you can change your mind, you have the freedom to move it, and you still have protections that maybe you desire. You know, maybe you need them to make you comfortable, at least for a while. The best thing to do, own the market. Take the dividend. And if you don't want to just own the market, you want a higher dividend, I get it. There's a little balancing you do, those kinds of things, of course. Depends on your objective. But if you just can't, 
Or it's always in your mind. I got to pull the trigger. I got to, you know, I don't know. It's really bad right now. What about the Israeli war? What about fill in the blank in the future? What about the Chinese? What about inflation? What about JoJo? I know, it's, but it's always something, see, and it, and it causes people to freeze. So if you can't, you need to pull the trigger. There's so many things now that can give you that peace of mind. They weren't there before, but that's all right. I'm going to grab another 30 seconds here, Bo. I know we got to go. But we think about all these different things. And it is a time of reflection, there's no doubt. But what I know is that the average investor has more options and more freedom and lower costs than ever before. You just have to look around and learn a little bit. Have a great day and enjoy the rest of the program.